to CHGO White Sox Podcast. And welcome into my home and to Vinny Duber's home. And you can follow Vinny Duber at Vinny Duber. There goes dog. the dog, Herb. I don't know what Z- Ziggy's doing right now. He's uh, acting weird. He's got to be in the room for some reason. But follow Vinny Duber on X at Vinny Duber. And you can follow me, Herb Lawrence, at Ecknerwall23. That is my last name spelled backwards. We have just return this afternoon from the winter meetings in Nashville, uh, like pretty much flew in and landed here at about 2 p.m. So we're a little groggy. I'm a little groggy because of, you know, the activities of last night of staying out on Broadway until about 3 a.m. Vinny, you know, it's just a it's a long week. You work really hard. That convention center is huge in Nashville. So we're a little bit, uh, my voice is like this for many reasons, but yeah, it's a draining thing for not that much activity at the winter meetings, Vinny. Vinny. Yeah, like all of a sudden I'm uh, I'm that uh, I'm that bear that uh, Christopher Robin follows around. Uh, but uh, listen, you're right, Herb. The the winter meetings are exhausting, even when there's not a ton to do. They can obviously be more exhausting than they were, but I think since they have squished it down from four days to three or i should say maybe three and a half to two and a half uh it has it has gotten a little busier some really long days in there i know i had um you know early morning uh uh, responsibilities on both tuesday and wednesday so you know i was up and and there bright and early and you know those are those are long days uh not complaining of course but um you know in a very weird gigantic hotel like the gaylord gaylord opryland you're gonna get your steps in so Physically, mentally, emotionally, all the uh, all all the draining that you can imagine is going on uh, at the winter meetings. And then this show, we will be talking about the winter meetings and what all went on with the White Sox. Have a recap of what goes down there, and also after we will say what's going to happen next. We will speculate what the White Sox next couple moves will be for this offseason. But first, let's get to those winter meetings. As most of Major League Baseball came away largely disappointed because of the lack of activity. I mean, there was a flurry of activity right where we're leaving on Wednesday night with the Juan Soto trade and other signings, but they were came away very disappointed. So I was thinking to myself, there's got to be a way where smart minds can come together and think about improving this winter meetings because I'm sure editors and people who are in uh, positions of power who are sending their writers, journalists, and us people down to winter meetings, um, you know, we... I thought did a great job and we had some things to cover because of the White Sox activity, but other people like the national people, they got to explain why they should be sent down there. So let's improve the winter meetings. Let's get some more activity down the winter meetings. Let's make it so we're more incentivized. Do you have any, any suggestions why, what the major league baseball can do to make it better? And where would you Vinny Duber? have your winter meeting where would be the best place for mlb to have their winter meetings if vinnie duber was in charge that's a good question i'll get to the i'll get to the uh, first part of it first though and don't confuse major league baseball being disappointed with everybody else being disappointed because listen those teams don't have to go make a bunch of moves in order to come away feeling like they had productive conversations with folks. Uh, you know, there's no rules that the transactions need to be made during those few days that folks are down there. Um, and so it's just kind of, there's a chance that what happened this year can happen. Uh, you know, you talk about people being disappointed. Who is disappointed? Fans were disappointed because they want to see all sorts of roster moves. I don't think you can say that the general managers of teams were disappointed or the league was disappointed even from a media standpoint yeah when you cover a specific team you obviously want news to cover you want things to talk about um but i don't think that the lack of moves meant a lack of headlines and you know obviously this whole show shohei otani thing continues to go on that's a that's a big deal for baseball to have little updates all the time. It's it to be have it become a saga. I think uh, baseball is not at all disappointed with the way that that is playing out. Sure, teams would probably like to get business done, uh, you know, like the White Sox, who maybe are the only ones who have said they're not in on Shohei Otani. There are plenty of teams that aren't right, and so they would probably like to go on get on with their lives and not have to wait for six, seven teams or whatever number it might be to sit and wait there for one guy to. Make make a decision but i do think that the only way to 
quote unquote, improve the winter meetings. I don't think winter meetings need to be improved from that standpoint, but from a fan standpoint where they want to see it happen, you just are going to need a dramatic overhaul of free agency, right? In in baseball, you're going to need to make it more like what exists in the NBA and the NHL and and the NFL, Um, a kind of starting gun moment where everybody all right, start your engines, go sign free agents, and maybe even a deadline, right? To to say, all right, well, you got to get it all wrapped up by then. Um, I think you know, me and, and and a buddy were talking about it. Uh, you know, him expressing kind of a similar level of disappointment. Man, I wish more things were going on. How can you make it so that works out? Maybe make it a week. Maybe the winter meetings are a week instead of a few days. But that's when free agency is open, just that week. And I, I don't think that's ever going to work. I don't think that really makes sense for baseball just because baseball has all those minor leagues, guys that can be put in, you know, fill out those spots throughout the year. I mean, listen, you see guys being signed constantly, uh, you know, once once camp starts and, and, and even after once the season starts, if you need a replacement, that kind of thing. So um, I don't see a solution. I don't know if anybody at baseball thinks there needs to be one, even if fans are maybe grumbling a little bit, um, you know, so, so I don't really know if anything's going to change on that front. It, it seems like maybe we just got a bad luck of the draw this year in terms of the amount of things, the amount of actual moves happening at the winter meetings. And my dog wants to be part of the camera. Um, but I would say, yeah, like you were saying in there, you have to have like a deadline if you want to be more, like the NBA, more like the NFL to have drum up more action. So it starts, what, five days after the last out of the World Series. Free agency starts there. And then you have a deadline for multi-year deals. So this is very extreme, Vinny. I'm going to warn you before. You have a deadline where it culminates at the end of the winter meeting. So it kind of brings a crescendo to the winter meetings and it brings it to, oh, man, this is must-see, must-view um action right here because Shohei Atani has to sign by Wednesday night for a multi-year deal after that you can sign one-year deals up until spring training and I don't like hate that. that I don't yeah. hate that at all that's interesting yeah. I, th- I think that's good because it does it allows for that still that just slow you know flow of moves that definitely would come you know one year free agent deals trades that kind of thing um but uh the big fish the biggest stars you make it kind of a off-season all-star game, so to speak, um, and and they're the ones that are in the headlines. That's not a bad idea. I like yeah. that. Yeah, and you do it because, I mean, I know the NFL and the NBA are up there, and I think some would say much past where Major League Baseball is in popularity, but one of the things the NFL does in every single month, they'll have something. So even in the off-season, they'll have uh, March will be their combine. April will be their draft. May is something else, et cetera, et cetera. You have Major League Baseball with these general manager meetings happening in November, and then December you have the uh, winter meetings, and then a a long dearth of nothingness, drips and drabs of sightings and such, until you get into spring training and pitchers and catchers report. So I just want them to be more cognizant of, hey, we need to be, be on top of mind for some of these baseball fans and casual fans out there who maybe forgetting about us during the months of winter, we need to drum up interest with the young fans that out there and such like that. So I think having a deadline like that would bring some better things for the major league baseball. And yeah, I, I'm, you know, first time I went down to the major league winter meetings, I enjoyed myself seeing all the people I saw, all the activity, the flurry. It was great, but you know, the fans are just, you know, kind of disappointed of other teams. And then finally they got some type of action at the end of that winter meetings. Now for the destination, Vinny Duper's in charge. Where are you setting your ideal winter meetings destination? Well, of the ones that I've been to, the ideal one is without a doubt, San Diego. Um, it, it, it's, it's less so about the actual destination though. Certainly that helps. Uh, and more so about the location of the hotel, the, the hotel that the winter meetings are at in San Diego is right across the street from downtown San Diego, from the gas lamp quarter there and where everybody um, can go grab a bite or go grab a drink right after after it's done. Herb, as we just witnessed, the Opryland is nowhere near uh, a place where you would want to go and hang out in, in Nashville. Um, and so people are kind of stuck there all day. Uh, you know, I, I feel the same way when, they, when they've been in Orlando at, at Walt Disney World. You're just stuck. You're not 
in downtown Orlando where you can pop out the door, walk a few blocks and, and, and have, have a meal, you're, you know, beholden to the whole Disney situation um, and, and, and all the logistical challenges that come with that. So, um, but if I'm going outside the box, uh, you know, I, I would pick a, a city that I like. I, I'm not necessarily, I mean, obviously warm weather is a plus, uh, but I, w- I would probably go ahead and, and, and pick a place like here, Chicago, right, where you can, uh, you know, have a good time afterwards or somewhere that maybe you can explore a little bit more, um, you know, well, gee, what comes to mind? You know, any city, really, I like exploring them. West Coast, I think, are a little bit more fun, you know, maybe put it in downtown San Francisco or Seattle or something like that. Uh, you know, maybe one of those West, uh, West coast towns, maybe be a little fun to explore a little bit, but again, it's all about the location of the hotel. You can put it in the, you can put it in the swingingest city in America. Uh, but if you've got the hotel out in the middle of nowhere, you know, I think, I think somebody said way back when it had, they, they had them in Chicago, but it was like Ed O'Hare. Like, like that's, you know, it was obviously convenient for the folks who were all flying in, but, uh, but no fun, really. Nobody's what wants to go out in, uh, in Rosemont really. So no offense to Rosemont, but, uh, you know, compared to what we got, uh, uh, in some of the neighborhoods down in the city. I'm going to echo your thoughts, Vinny. I would love to San Diego for the winter meetings. Cause just as you said, the gas lamp is undefeated. Great times out there. Beautiful weather for what we just did at the winter meetings. We're indoors most of the time, so you don't necessarily need premium weather. And Nashville's weather wasn't that great and wasn't that much more improved than what Chicago is. And so that's where my destination would be, Chicago. And as you said, they've had them in the past before, back in the, I think the last time they had it is like in the 40s here in Chicago. They used to like alternate between here and New York. But world-class city, Condé Nast just uh, ranked it or uh, named it the best big city in the United States for the seventh time in a row. We I went to high school with her. Oh, great, great yeah. girl. Awesome. She wrote her own magazine, but <laughs> it's a great city. And despite what you hear on other people's uh, stations, they want to denigrate this city. This is an awesome city, world-class city. Anybody who is a world traveler has never denigrated this great city. And so to have it in a hotel as it has been in all these uh, uh, eras, like when the Orlando and the, uh, uh, San Diego and um, Nashville, you can just put that into the McCormick place or the Sofitel or the Swiss hotel, wherever you want to put it. And then after you can have good weather for the most part in Chicago, early December, you'll get a flurry or two, but you're not going to get a blizzard or anything. That's going to be life changing weather where it will detract some of these people from going to the places. So I would say Chicago would be the ideal spot to bring the winter meetings back to. And I don't even know if they announce where the 2024 meetings are, but yeah, if we're going to be doing that, have it in a great city like San Diego, where the weather is going to be premium, except where I heard last year, people had to put coats on in San Diego when they had it out there. I know uh, you were out in uh, Australia at that time, but I remember uh, watching the MLB coverage that it was kind of chilly out there, probably 50 degrees. So it was kind of, it was California chilly. So, um, yeah, we'll get to more of what the White Sox did in this winter meetings. And then later on, we'll give our suggestions of what we think the White Sox will be doing in the rest of this offseason. But first, let's talk to you about Hero Bread. Started eating Hero Bread because I got type 2 diabetes and didn't want to give up my favorite foods like wraps, quesadillas, sandwiches. And Hero Bread has been great for me. And I'm sure it'll be great for you, too. If you need a low-carb option to fit your lifestyle there and dietary constraints, the founder of Hero Bread, Cold Glass, he baked 100, 100 muffins per day, Vinny. You got to keep that m- number of muffins down in the double digits, I think. Once you hit triple digits, you it's it's some sort of thing that, you know, some sort of TLC show needs to interfere with, I think. It's too many muffins. It is. And knowing Cole, he probably donated to a, a hunger a shelter and make sure that's, that people. That's a good point, yeah. Get, and that's what he did with the Snumps. That's what he did with the stumps. Yeah. And before he found he did 100 muffins a day before he found the perfect blend that fit into his allergy constraints. That's what pushed him to start Hero Bread. I know when I mentioned that flour tortillas have zero net carbs, 80 calories and 15 grams of protein. Some are worried about the taste, but I'm here to tell you that it tastes just as good as any tortilla that you've had from the leading brands. But I think you'll love these just as much, if not more, when you try Hero Bread. But here's the offer. You get a discount code when your first purchase of Hero Bread just by typing in CHGO at Hero.co. Hero makes sliced breads, buns, tortillas. They're all available on Hero.co 
or on Amazon. Right now, what you need to do is Hero Bread is offering that CHGO discount for 10% when you bid your first purchase. Type in CHGO when you go to hero.co and use the code CHGO. Save on Hero Bread today. That's H E R O dot C O to save 10% today. And now, Vinny, let's talk about the great folks at Commonwealth Edison. It's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we can all get behind for the health of our planet and the well-being of all of us who share it. Wow, Herb. Insightful. You're, you're moving me here. Uh, the electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business, business owners do, Vinny? What a wonderful question, Herb. Go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, if you, where's the camera? If you, there it is. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. They're good for business, good for the planet, and good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Herb, I don't usually like repeating myself, but I will because that is true. I did. So go now and see how electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. And before we get started with our next segment, just got to tell you folks, you'd like the gear I'm wearing right now. Got it from CHGO Locker. And right now through, I think the end of the week, we have a $20 discount on our Die Hard program, usually $79.99. Right now, $59.99. Now, if you already got one or you have a friend that wants one or family member, the holidays have started. Today is the first day of Hanukkah, and happy Hanukkah to all those people who celebrate it. Get your, your sports fan, your Chicago sports fan, a Die Hard membership today. You get 20% off of merch when you become a diehard you get 20 percent off all their takeovers that we have uh, when we do tailgates for chu white Sox or bulls hawks or uh cubs even though i don't really have a tailgate but when we do takeouts for takeovers for them you get 20 percent off of that price so you get 20 dollars off currently on the full price of the diehard membership which lasts a year and with that diehard membership you get a free t-shirt like the one i'm wearing right now it's a qb1 slide shirt i don't know if you can see it it's right there and 20% off of merch, like the hat I have on right now, the CHGO white flag golf hat, really nice to wear. So go now, got a family member that wants a CHGO diehard or just a good fan of Chicago sports, perfect time to buy $59.99, limited time offer, so go right now. All right, the winter meetings happened and the White Sox had a flurry of activity much unlike every other team in Major League Flurry? Baseball. Flurry? One signing is a flurry, Herb? Come on. I mean, they did other things in this winter meetings. One thing they also did with you, know, the signing of Eric Fetty, the two-year, uh, two $15 million reported deal, which the White Sox have talked about. He hasn't passed the physical as yet, but it's not official official, but it's a, it's down a, the river. A, officially agreed to. There okay. you go. Yeah. And the Rule 5 pick, where well, they got Shane Drohan from the Red Sox and their minor league team, the Charlotte Knights, picked up Jose Ramirez. Not that not, not the Jose Ramirez. No, not yeah. that guy. He is also from well, few formerly of the Red Sox organization, as a right-handed starter, and they also were fifth in the MLB draft for next year. So they had a lot of activity, a lot of things to talk about and write about. What do you think of the White Sox and what they did during this winter meetings? And because it seems like they have a specific goal this offseason and they've added all these starting pitchers for a reason. Yeah, I mean, listen, I still think it's a work in progress, obviously. I think there's a lot that the White Sox still have left to do this offseason. And so perhaps the biggest deal, the biggest headline was the thing that they didn't do, right? And with that was trading Dylan Cease, something that looks and sounds from everything we hear like it's very likely to happen before the end of this offseason. Now, the White Sox spent a lot of time talking about how they don't have to trade him this offseason, about how there is no urgency to get a deal done. And certainly their reasoning for that makes sense. But 
when you see all these reports, when you hear them openly talking about a threshold in terms of a return package that they're going to need to receive. I think we saw some reports about some specific prospects that that they were asking for from the Cincinnati Reds. Um, it seems like they're very much open for business on the Dylan Cease front. Now, one thing they're not going to do is trade Luis Robert Jr., right? We, we, we heard that, and Chris Getz was pretty definitive in saying that he's not going to do it unless something comes and really blows him away. But um, – those two things, I think, were the biggest takeaways uh, from from this week. Certainly, the starting pitching front, though, is the other with the addition of Eric Fetty. And then all these guys that are kind of there as well, right? I mean, listen, Fetty got a two-year major league deal. He's going to be a part of that rotation. But whether it's the Rule 5 pick you were just talking about, the two guys they got in that trade with the Braves earlier this offseason, or any number of other starting pitchers that might come along, it's just going to be a throw stuff at the wall and, and see who sticks type situation. And I like that. I like that type of philosophy of just getting as many starting pitchers in this organization, whether they are on the major league staff, whether you got to put them in the bullpen on the major league staff, or you got to put them in the minor leagues like they did with Jose Ramirez, who is uh, from the Red Sox in the rule five um, major minor league deal. Um, you got to just get arms in there and see how they work. And as I think about, all the arms they've gotten since the offseason, and you just named most of them, it seems like a concerted effort and a concerted effort by one of the people who is um, part of the decision-making and Brian Bannister to get in arms. That's mostly what they've been doing this offseason. They have a concerted effort to do that, and that's good to do. Now, with all the people that they brought in, they now need a person that's going to be receiving the ball and so that's probably my next focus and i'll get to that a little later so i think it's a good thing i'm uh, as i said yesterday on our um wednesday show i'm taken aback about how good i feel about chris gets first month and a half in his first off season of his major league career uh, as a general manager because i just was so underwhelmed with the hire and maybe i'm wrong with my initial first blush uh, thoughts about Chris Getz because of his past job with the White Sox and I didn't think he did well. He's a smart mind. He seems like a very cerebral, confident, and collaborative mind because he's letting Brian Bannister, you know, talk to him about who he should pick up because Fetty was a person that he had worked with in the past. He was in the same off-season lab with Logan Webb out there in San Francisco. And as he's Brian Bannister said in his tweet, he worked with Logan Webb, him and Ethan Katz out there to develop the pitches to make him the pitcher that he is today. And Fetty works with Logan Webb in the offseason to develop the pitches that he had. So he's listening to the people in his office. He's hiring the good people. Gene Watson, a lot of people just brought his name up when we're interviewing, like John Morosi just brought his name up like organically, we didn't ask about Gene Watson. He's like, no, this guy knows a lot. He knows a lot about baseball. He's one of the smartest, brightest baseball minds in the business. And these moves that Chris Getz has made to bring these people in and then being the sole decision maker at the end after collaboration with his people, I think is a good way to go because as John Morosi said, Major League Baseball teams and other people saw the confusion that was here with the White Sox with Kenny and Rick who do I deal with? Who is the guy who's going to be pulling the trigger? Now that you go right to Chris Getz and said, you're the guy. I need to speak to you about dealing with Dylan Cease, dealing with X player, not that confusion that the White Sox used to have. So it's been a good offseason for the White Sox. And I'm, I'm surprised. I'm shocked. Hand up. I was wrong initially. First blush, I was wrong about Chris Getz. And I like what he's been doing so far. So I... Um, there's nothing more to say about that. That guy is just impressive. Very impressive. Well, I'll say this, Herb. You you bring this up all the time, and that's the delineation between process and results, right? And I think that everything you said right there about the process part of what Chris and his front office are doing is exactly true. That's the that's the vibe we're getting. That's the and that seems to be the goal from the go from the get-go. But there's a results part of this too. And while there is un, there's no doubt that that the things that he has done the, the players he's acquired and brought into this organization have 
addressed things that were obvious needs for this team. The most the, the the biggest name that he's brought in so far is a guy who the last time he pitched in the major leagues had an ERA of almost six. I mean, you know, this is uh, this is not a, a an off season where you look at this list of names and you go, wow, they're going to be so much better next year. I mean, Eric Fetty, Michael Soroka, Nicky Lopez, and Paul DeYoung. Like that's not uh, an all star team. No, I, I'm you know, and I'm not. I don't think anybody would argue that it is. Um, it what it is going to do is help the White Sox improve in areas where they think they need to improve, particularly on defense, particularly when it comes to the what's going on inside that clubhouse and the type of player that they want to have as part of this roster. There's no doubt about that. That they, those, these moves are positives in that regard. But this is a team that lost 101 games next year, and does anyone know? If the does anyone is anyone going to sit here right now and tell you they're definitely not going to lose 101 games next year with the with the with the type of team that they've put together so far? So this is obviously whether the White Sox want to say it or not, this is some form of a rebuild where they are planning for the future. They need to get some more guys in here that are a clear part of that future. Yeah, they got Colson Montgomery. They've got Luis Robert Jr. For better or for worse, they've got the Andrews and Vaughn and Benintendi, uh, you know, sticking around for several years still. That a trade of Dylan Cease is going to be the, the move that would really say a lot about how Chris is able to position this White Sox team for future success. Because right now, they still need a right fielder. They might still go get a second baseman. They still need a catcher, as you brought up. And are they going to go out and get somebody that they can stick into the middle of the lineup? Or is it still going to just be, you know, we're going to see what what Moncada and Eloy can do this time around kind of thing. So um, I think everything you said is absolutely right. And Chris deserves praise for trying to remake the parts of this organization that were broken that people didn't really see on a daily basis or a nightly basis, I should say. Um, He's got a lot of work to do to remake the parts that people do see on a nightly basis, and that's what's going on on the field. And when we can start talking about this team being better, when we can start talking about this team being in a better position to win, I think he certainly is intending to do that, right? He would, if he was here right now, he'd say, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. But right now, from what has happened so far, let's be sure to make the difference between you saying, man, what a great offseason it's been for them so far because of how they're doing it versus, man, what a great offseason it's been so far because of who they've brought in. Because that latter part, I don't know if it registers as a great offseason so far. And I'm glad you clarified that because, yes, I'm not saying the names are you know earth-shattering, but I'm saying, yeah, the the process of how they're going about getting just arms in here, getting defense. They talked about we want to improve on defense, saying well, that's the reason why Tim is not here anymore. And then they follow up with action to bring in Paul DeYoung. And I'll and, say this, Herb, I'll say this. It goes to show you how bare the cupboard was in terms of depth, in terms of talent, particularly on that pitching side, when they've he's gone out and gotten Fetty and Soroka and Schuster and a Rule 5 pick guy who was awful at triple A. The numbers were awful at triple A last year and everybody's going, Oh, good job. That's an upgrade. That's an upgrade. I mean, it goes to show you how little they had to work with Mm -hmm. when, when, when he was promoted in August. Yeah. And it's, it's a a testament to him and uh, the staff that he has assembled to do it in this quickly of a fashion. And the other thing I'm impressed with is him holding his cards tight to the vest and not, you know, just, selling Dylan Cease to the highest bidder as yet. It seems like, and you see reports from um, John, John, um, breaking on his name, uh, John Morosi and John Heyman that are, he's holding these players until the market settles on other players. If you miss out on Shohei Itani, those teams will be coming back to Chris Getz. And if you miss out on Blake Snell, we'll be coming back to Chris Getz with the offer that he wants. And that is, a very, very stealth move for a rookie uh, general manager just to be so confident and so cool, calm, collected, and knowing, hey, I don't need to trade Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease can just be on our team, and as we're talking to John Morosi yesterday, he might even have more value at the trade deadline coming up because he said you get two more um, pennant races with Dylan Cease. You still get that, and those teams – 
don't have the availability of going out and getting a free agent like you can do currently to address your pitching needs. So it's been a very good uh, offseason for me, for Chris Getz. But let's go to the other headline that made news just to put a full bow on the winter meetings. On Wednesday, it was reported that Jerry Reinsdorf met with the mayor of Nashville, Freddie O'Connell, and the details weren't out there. Vinny, can you spread a little bit more on what happened and what the White Sox have told you in the civil media there? Not much. They confirmed that it happened. They wouldn't talk about what was talked about uh, in that meeting. And I think at the end of the day, this isn't that big of a deal. Um, I don't think anybody thinks the White Sox are going to move to Nashville. Um, and heck, we don't even know if that's what they were talking about, right? I mean, we brought it up yesterday on the show. Um, there's a, an effort underway to get an expansion team in, in Nashville. And Jerry Reinsdorf is one of the highest powered owners in, in the game. Maybe they were just talking about baseball stuff uh, and not necessarily that. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody – out there thinks that this is the beginning of a White Sox move to Nashville. If anything, in my opinion, it would just be a disappointing continuation of the way things work in pro sports in this country. Uh, you know what I mean? It's not to put anything on the White Sox because every other team seems to be do, doing similar things. Heck, every other team in this city, right? We remember when the, the Ricketts family wanted to, re, to, to renovate Wrigley Field and they were looking for money from the city. We know exactly the uh, tiresome saga, the, the, the uh, absolute slog it has been to have to wake up to Bears Stadium news once a week, it seems, for the last however many years and will continue going forward. Because, And I can say that because there was more today. Uh, you know, so... Uh, it, it just seems to be something that sports teams do. They try to get cities or, and other government entities to help them to help fund stadium construction. Um, we can all have our opinions on to whether or not that is the proper thing to do. Uh, I think it's a little ridiculous uh, and, but it doesn't seem to make it stop. Does it? So um, it, we might see this uh, or we might, be circling back to this topic, not the Nashville one, but just this general stadium topic for a while because the White Sox have six years left on their lease at guaranteed rate field. Um, and uh, the run up to that could could start mirroring what's going on with the Bears just in terms of the amount of times that we're going to have to talk about this. If you're watching and or listening this podcast right now, you missed any of the winter meetings coverage that we had here at CHGO. You can go to allchgo.com and check out all the articles that Vinny wrote out there while he's uh, out there talking to the players, talking to Chris Getz, Josh Barfield, et cetera, et cetera. Or we have all the uh, podcasts that we did from the winter meetings, both the CHGO sports ones and the White Sox and Cubs one. So, yeah, check out that. Check out that interview we did with Jake Berger on Monday. That was that was a fun surprise to get him on the show. And uh, he had some really nice things, not only to say to White Sox fans, but just in general about kind of how his year went. Obviously, very successful for him. Um, it, it was very interesting to hear how things are going for him in Miami. Yeah, it was a great coverage. I enjoyed myself thoroughly. It was a very good um, experience to be down there and see all the faces of the people I see on TV and all the writers that I read there. So definitely check out allchgo.com right now to see exactly what we did down there in the winter meetings. But I agree with you wholeheartedly about the stadium thing. I think that Jerry is doing a ploy, and that's good. It's good for Jerry to do it, and I said yesterday, it's good for him to drum up this interest and get his name out there. He already knows that he's like persona non grata with most White Sox fans. So, you know, this doesn't really you know put him lower than that. So you might as well meet with the mayor. You're in the city uh, and you can just be doing something innocuous, like you're saying, meeting with him to just be saying, hey, man, uh, the um, expansion. My, my guy, Tony LaRusso, has got a friend, Dave, Dave Stewart, who wants to have a team here. He can be doing that. But the stealthness, the 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 fact that he doesn't tell you what he's doing is works out in his favor perfectly. And so I think it's a savvy move. I know he's not moving to Nashville. He knows he's not moving to Nashville. We went to that city. Good city, not Chicago. So I've been I've been choking on hot chicken for the last uh, 24 <laughs> hours 
Uh, I, I, I would, it would be great to give you a rundown, Herb. You didn't go with me and Kevin to the hot chicken place. Cool spot. You know, been there forever. They have a warning called Bolton's. Mm -hmm. It was about a 15 minute walk from where we were staying. They got a warning when you go to order that says, do not touch your eyes or any babies until you have thoroughly washed your hands after eating this stuff. Specifically Uh, babies? Specifically babies. uh, They have six levels of heat, right? Mm -hmm. Non-spicy. Light, mild. Mild, medium, hot, and extra spicy. I had read about this place before we went down to Nashville, and it said, do not, you know, think highly of yourself. Go ahead and take it easy uh, when you're when you're getting it for the first time. So I went with light, mild, and my lips were in so much pain, Herb. Oh light, God. mild, light, mild. My lips were in so much pain. I was I had a giant bottle of water. I finished it by by the end of the one of the three pieces that I got. Uh, but you know what? The combination of the spice and the temperature heat, you know, is yes. what made it is what made it so hard to eat. And I'm sure everybody's watching being like, oh, my God, this guy. But uh, the but you like spicy we, food. I do like spicy food. And yeah. we carried it. So we carried it back or I carried I took like half of it back to our Airbnb. And, you know, it's cooler. And so we walked back and the temperature hot decreased and the spice was still high and it was great. And it was, it was not only, it not only became edible, uh, but it was, but it was very enjoyable as well. So hot chicken gets a thumbs up from me, but it is no joke. And if you go down there and you're like, you know what? I like a spicy chicken sandwich that I can get here in Chicago or whatever. I'll I'll try, I'll give it a try in Nashville. Don't, you don't have to be brave. You can you can go ahead and try one of the lower levels of spice uh, because I did, and it was still just packing a punch. And so it's been having its after effects in my throat and stomach uh, for the for the last twenty four hours, which is probably too much information. But there you go. Yeah, I just don't understand like really hot food like that. You're at the what the two level. And there was four levels above that. Like how, like the extra spicy, like why? Like you just want to be in pain. You want to do some like daredevil. Like you can't enjoy that. That's, that's not the, enjoyable. That's the thing. Like, is this a local delicacy or is it like a trick that they play on tourists? Like, is yes. it like a food challenge type situation? That's what it is. It's It has to be because it's, there's no joy in eating hot food, both temperature wise and spice wise. There's joy in adding flavor to what the meal is to having your mouth experience some things. Yeah. I like the spice and sometimes I like it to be uncomfortable a little bit, you know, just on the other side of comfort. Yeah, that's fine. As long as it's bringing a little flavor to the table. So I just don't understand. Like if somebody X gets that extra spicy and eats it and they're like, "Mm, yeah, that was the stuff. As you said, yeah, you got to deal with that afterwards too. So it won't be, it won't be a pleasant 24 to 48 hours for a person that does that. After the break, we will talk about the White Sox next moves, what we think the White Sox should do or could do in the next couple of weeks coming up. But first, Vinny, there's a number that I have in my mind of a great place that we as Chicagoans know. It is 588-2300-Empire. Ooh, did we just harmonize there? I, I tried might to have. high note. I struggled. With Our Empire today. Not there. <laughs> you you know why, Vinny? I, I, I know. Went, you brought it up. Because I went to that terrible place, Kid Rock's uh, bar. I feel no, bad no one, for myself. I'm no one sorry, was forcing guys. you, Herb. No one yeah, was forcing I mean, you. Yeah, I was, I was a follower last night. I'm sad. Because you, you'll notice I didn't go to Kid Rock's not. bar. Yo, yeah. you wouldn't. Like, if you were with our group, you'd be like, no, I'm not going to Broadway, firstly. And then secondly, Absolutely I'm not. definitely not going to Kid Rock's place. As soon as I heard that that's where you went, I literally said this morning, there is no place I would want to be less than Kid Rock's bar. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but... Kid Rock's Bar is terrible. You know what's not terrible? Empire Today, where you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring, so of course they have copycats. But Empire can't be beaten on quality, service, or speed, so competitors advertise low-quality products, like the Kid Rock Bar, that Empire simply won't carry. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in theirs. 
Empire's philosophy is to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. Shopping for floors at a big box store can be frustrating. You might talk to someone today who was working in plumbing yesterday, but flooring is all Empire Today does. They live it. They breathe it. They inhale it. They probably put it in a food processor and figure out a way to eat it. So you can be confident that you're getting honest and upfront advice. Here's your call to action, folks. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use the promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. Go ahead and see EmpireToday.com slash CHGO for all of the relevant details. Midtown Athletic Clubs has four Chicagoland locations, Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the north shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. The Midtown Palatine has launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which which will be complete in the early 2024 year. Listeners can lock in favorable rates if they join before the end of this year. Something at Midtown for everybody, whether you're a single person, married person, engaged person, family, you have kids, all that stuff. There's child care there, people looking for making lifestyle changes or holistic wellness for those folks. As many have said, Midtown Chicago is the nicest fitness club that they've ever been to. And it's not just a fitness club to me. It's like a country club. So they have super luxe locker rooms with wet and dry saunas and premium amenities, amazing outdoor and indoor pools and hot tubs, a collection of boutique fitness studios and more than a hundred classes per week included with your membership. This isn't gym quality. The spaces are boutique quality. They have these, rooms where you can just work out if you want a high intensity interval training you go to the arena if you want to do some yoga you go to their their studio called samadhi if you want to do some boxing there's a place called everybody fights and if you want to spin go to their place called ride and where i went is their theater where i did a group exercise which is where i get down but what Mintown is known for the most is their best tennis courts and programming in the sport Midtown has indoor, outdoor tennis, pickleball, and paddleball tennis. USTA professional quality all the way. Head on over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and to tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. And the last thing I got for you is FOCO. Usually we're on set. Today we are in our respective homes because we just got back from Nashville. But you so you'll just have to you'll just have to imagine the Southpaw classic orange White Sox flag bobblehead doll. He'll be doing that. His head will be moving. And we also have a Tim we'll Anderson that one flag. that we don't you know necessarily uh put on this set anymore because Tim's not a White Sox anymore. But show them some love at Foco and get fitted out in the best sports gear around. They have hoodies, signs, shoes, bobbleheads, everything in between. It's not baseball season anymore, but some would say it's always baseball season. So get fitted in Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for a game. Check out foco.com or click the link in, link in the description below for all non pre sale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. And to get back to Kid Rock, lots of Bud Light there and lots of Bud Light sounds there. So, well, uh, a little hypocritical. So it's neither here nor there, Vinny. But. <laughs> The White Sox have done a decent amount of things in this offseason so far, but as we said before, they have still things to do. So what say you the next couple of weeks before the end of the year where the White Sox need to address anything specific, a player that you have in mind that the White Sox would have here on their uh, roster before the end of the year? Yeah, we can go a few different ways with that answer to that question. I think the uh, I'll stick with the main thing, which is I think everybody – who pay who pays attention to the White Sox is going to be on Dylan C's trade watch until they give us a reason to not be right. And so um, that is the big thing. And I, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but that really is the move that I think if you're looking to the long-term future of this team, even as long-term as like two years from now in 2025, like as to what, how good they're going to be positioned to win games that's the deal that's going to have probably the biggest impact on that. Past that, though, they're not done on the starting pitching front. We we mentioned some of the names earlier, and if you're like, wow, that doesn't really sound like a, a championship-caliber rotation to me, 
not that the White Sox might end up a championship caliber team in 2024, but they're going to keep adding because I really do think they're going to search high and low. You brought up Brian Bannister, the, the, the type of players that he can work with to try to turn one or two or three of them into guys that can be a part of this for the long term. We're going to have to see if Eric Fetty is the guy that he was when he won the Korean baseball MVP or if he was the guy that struggled with the Nationals. It's it's going to have to be that times five because there's questions with every single person they have even in that mix right now. They're going to keep adding guys, and those guys might all have questions too, but the point is bring them into this system and try to get them uh, to be a real piece for this team moving forward. Um, and then I think you're going to talk about it, but if you want a name from me, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the catcher position um, and a guy who will not be going back to catch for the Houston Astros. That's a free agent, Martin Maldonado. I think that the fit is great there. You know, we had, we had uh, John Morosi on the show yesterday talking about how the fit for Whit Merrifield makes so much sense with the White Sox. I think the fit for Martin Maldonado makes so much sense with the White Sox. This is a guy who knows how to win, is just phenomenal with working with the pitching staff. We talked about how some of these guys might have to be helped along and if they're going to reach their, you know, their ceilings. He's a guy that can help with that. Uh, he doesn't hit much at all. It was under 200 last year, I think, but he's tremendous behind the plate. He's tremendous defensively. He's got history with Pedro Grafol. He played for the Royals very briefly, but has history with Pedro Grafol. And uh, you'll remember when Corey Lee came over in that trade with the Astros at the trade deadline, who did he talk about as being a guy that really mentored him along the way? Martin Maldonado. He's a free agent right now. And I think the veteran defensive minded catcher that the White Sox are looking for, that guy really seems to fit that bill. I'm all I'm all for it because the catcher doesn't necessarily need to bring the bat too much. And that man doesn't bring it that much, but his glove is always there. And to answer uh, one of the people who are watching the show's question, William O'Brien, where did Sean Anderson go? He's on assignment. I'm sorry I didn't mention it at the beginning of the show. He is still on assignment. He'll be rejoining us on Monday. I just talked to him when I landed today just to reassure myself when he was coming back. And he said, yes. He is a well-rested, a good guy. He was just on assignment, so he'll be back on Monday to take over the hosting duties. But, yeah, I would love a guy, and I'm my San Diego bias coming out there, but the Padres, you see, they're purging their whole staff because, or their whole roster because they don't have the money. The, the, the RSN that they were expecting to make money from is gone belly up. And so they didn't get the money expected from that local TV deal. And so they have to purge and they see Juan Soto now being a New York Yankee and they got other moves that they're going to be making. Blake Snell will not be a, a San Diego Padre because he's a free agent. Even if he was available to be re-signed by them, they wouldn't have interest because they don't have the money. So they have a big time um, problem with money and they just did a extension for Jake Cronenworth last year which many saw as a mistake at the time because Jake, while having good years in 2020, 2021, and 2022, he was kind of trending downward. And his 2023 was nothing short of terrible. He switched positions to first base, which he's not a first baseman. He can glove it. He can do it. But he's more of a middle infielder slash outfielder type. And so his number is a little high for the White Sox to acquire. I think it's $11 million each year for the next seven years which the White Sox would balk at that. So with San Diego being so desperate to move this player out of here, I think they wouldn't want a big-time prospect. They wouldn't need a big-time prospect because of the bad year, firstly, that Jake Cronenworth had, and then that their money problems that they have. So they could eat some of that money, and the White Sox can acquire a guy that was pretty good second baseman in his time that he was there with the San Diego Padres before they got moved to first base this year. And that would solve their second base issues and a lefty bat where if you look at the stat cast numbers, his home runs at guaranteed rate field would be dramatically higher than they were at the Paul parks that he used to play in, in the NL West, mainly Petco park. So I think that player would be a great acquisition for the white Sox because of the lefty bat a re regression. I mean, a regression to the mean candidate, going back to the numbers that he had before this bad year in 2023, where he dealt with injuries and moving to first base. And then as we talked about, they have a concerted effort to have defensive players with the White Sox. 
they just got Eric Fetty. And in Korea, Eric Fetty had a 70% ground ball rate, which is unheard of in the major leagues. At his height, Dallas Keiko, who was one of the best ground ball rate people, was about a 61. So to have a 70% ground ball rate is ridiculous. And when you have that high of a ground ball rate, you want people to pick the ball up. We know Paul DeYoung can. We know your Mancata can. And we know that Andrew Vaughn can pick up every ball that's hit to him. So to round that out, have a great second baseman. They already have one in Nicky Lopez that can defend, but you need some more bat. So having Jake Cronenworth would be my solution to that. I know it's a far-fetched thing because of the money, and I don't know if the Padres eat enough money for the White Sox to take him on, but that would be the player that I would want. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense as a wish list item, no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, we hear so often, you know, the the reputation that the White Sox have to not want to ink those long-term deals. And, you know, if you're talking about acquiring a guy who has one of those already in hand, you're not even considering signing that. You're bringing it on and mm-hmm. it, it's not going anywhere. Um, that, that, that would seem to me to maybe be why that could be a little bit of a stretch. Um, not only that, if the Padres truly are looking for salary relief, why are they paying that? You know what I mean? Why would they agree to pay some of it down? But listen, one thing that I maybe didn't, that I, I, I asked Chris gets about on Tuesday. I don't think I mentioned it on our Tuesday show, but I brought it up while we were talking to John Morosi on our Wednesday show. I asked Chris gets, would you guys be open to a trade in which you would have to eat some of the money from the, from the guy you'd be trading away? Uh, you know, and basically he said they're open to whatever they're open to to that. That he said they've considered moves like that. It just really needs to make sense what's coming back. And so, I think a lot of folks maybe think that there's no way Yoan Moncada is getting traded. There's no way Aloy Jimenez is getting traded. Um, but there might be a way. It's just the team that they're trading them to would have to really give them a package that they would feel really good about in order to make that occur. And probably. The same thing can be said for the Padres if they're looking for salary relief as well. Yeah, I forgot to mention also he's a Michigan man, and so that would make Chris Getz and, of course, Scott Merkin happy if he's on the team. So um, they should make it happen. But that is the end of our show. We are uh, having a good time at Nashville, but we're glad we're home. My dog is glad I'm home. He's sleeping right behind me if you can see me on the YouTube TV. If you're listening on podcast the next day, Definitely go to YouTube on the episode and see my dog sit right behind me for no damn reason and go to sleep for the whole damn episode. So for Vinny Duber, follow him at Vinny Duber on Twitter. Check out all his articles on allchgo.com. Did an awesome job at the winter meetings, uh, as always, and uh, all the good articles that he put out there and the good shows we did uh, all week long. Vinny Duber at Vinny Duber on Twitter and X. Thank you for Sarah Victor for helping us out being the producer. My name is Herb Lawrence, Ectorwall23 on the Twitter machine. And that is my dog Ziggy. You can't follow him on Twitter, but he's got a Instagram. I think it's 773 uh, Corgi Ziggy, whatever it is. But we'll see you tomorrow. We'll be back live in studio, Vinny and I. Sean be out one more day and then he'll be rejoining us on Monday. So thank you for joining us. Thank you and see you in that in tomorrow in studio, 4 p.m. CSGO White Sox. Oh, silly like the mayor.